0: Welcome to Super Connected. With me, Tim Arnold, and my special guests. We invite you to join us in an intimate and honest exploration into the theme of connection. What it means to be connected to each other, what it means to be connected to ourselves, and what it means to connect in an ever-changing world. Anna Smith is a film critic, broadcaster, chair of the London Film Critics Circle and host of the podcast Girls on Film, which was listed as the best feminist film podcast by Stylist magazine. A long-time contributor to Time Out, Metro, The Guardian and Sight and Sound, Anna appears regularly on BBC TV, Radio and Sky TV. She tweets from... At Anna Smith Journal, and I'm thrilled that she's joining me now for Super Connected. Anna, welcome to the show. How Thank are you? Thank you
1: very much. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm good.
0: Oh, pleasure. And we finally did it. Yay. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, there's a lot of different things that I'm going to ask you about. But to begin with, the obvious, we're all in lockdown. Uh, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And somehow uh, the film industry is you know, reinventing itself every couple of minutes. Tell me and tell our listeners about that from you know, your perspective at the moment.
1: Well, it's been a fascinating journey because I was going to screenings and doing junket interviews just days before lockdown and there was a nervousness in the air about whether these big releases would actually happen and then very suddenly it became clear that a lot of the big releases that I'd just seen would be postponed till much later in the year. And then more and more got cancelled, more and more got cancelled. And in the critic circle, obviously a lot of our members were very worried about making a living because we were starting to lose work. Uh, And we were all very worried about our friends in the film industry. Um, But what has been fantastic is to see that the way, like many other industries, the film industry has managed to adapt. And to rise to the challenges that are now presented to us, and so many film releases are now going digital if they can, and a lot of what would have been done on stage and 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 filmed has been doing has been done in people's own homes. And it's been extraordinary, really, to see how fast that has happened and how film companies and actors and producers and writers and directors have come up with creative solutions.
0: Are you like me, where you sort of, um, you know, you sort of receive the sad and at times horrific side of what's happening globally uh, and in our country, uh, but at the same time as seeing some positive things which sounds strange you know there are people who are dying um, there are people who are suffering and um, obviously the terrible situation with the NHS uh, uh, and how they've been treated uh, uh, it, it, it's it's it is awful but there are lots of pockets of um, positive sides to what's happening aren't there
1: there are I mean I'm I'm generally a very positive person like you and I think the thing is, is you're right you have to caveat it with, with everything you've just said because you don't want to be this big Pollyanna figure going oh everything's fine because it's, <laughs> no. it's not um, and, and I've had moments where you know especially looking at the news and reading the news where it's been I've been very upset for, for the ter- the terrible suffering that people are going through mm. right now it, it's agonising for, for so many people Um, But yes, in terms of I'm fortunate in my own life not to have been badly affected so far, although some friends and relatives have been affected. Um, So I am looking at the silver linings um, in terms of the industry and in terms of the way that I can go about my job, but also the learning curve of how much you can communicate with friends and connect with friends. Online and down the phone yeah. and things that you don't normally bother to do. You you wait to see friends and then you go, oh, I can't meet for another three months. We're all so busy. And then <laughs> you, don't, you don't pick up the phone. And now I'm speaking to those people way more than I was before because we're going, well, we can't meet, so let's just have a Zoom call or whatever, you know.
0: Yes, I mean, we're sort of five, over five weeks now, I think, into this period of lockdown in the UK. And I... I, I was, before it started, I was in the middle of working on a project that was criticising the use of screens.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It's funny, isn't it? Now suddenly we've done cool about questioning turn. it. Yeah, we've done an about yeah. turn and we're going, actually, there are lots of real positives. Because people used to say rightly, and I'm sure you'll agree that there are many bad things about social media, for example, because it yeah. makes people less social. You know, yes. They're not actually talking to people around them. But now it's a godsend because people are connecting that way so much and particularly people living on their own. My goodness, if, if you didn't have the Internet and you're living on your own right now, how hard would that be? I know it's hard anyway, yeah, but yes. even harder, I would think.
0: Yeah. No, it's the same. And um, I mean, I'm I, my own experience of 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 this is that, of course, I, I have a mother that lives in another country that I usually see every six weeks because I go to see her. Uh, I haven't, but you know, thank goodness for various platforms where I can see her on screen and she can see me. So I'm, I'm sure there's there's thousands of people like that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I just need to get my dad using Skype. Wait, <laughs> he hasn't mastered it yet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, we're it doing is phone calls. We're doing more phone calls. It's nice. To, it's nice to be able to do that.
0: My my issue uh, with with looking at what's happening to us and our dependency now on on screen time uh, is that I I look at the world through a Terry Gilliam lens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, is that healthy? I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think it is really, but it's. But yeah, they made me like that. So yeah, I, I'm just looking at the dystopian, it's, um, yeah. freakery of it all.
1: Yeah, know. yeah, exactly. I think that in a weird way that there is definitely something very cinematic and filmic about this and that. Initially, it, it intrigued me. I mean, it alarmed me, obviously, but I was thinking, God, I've, I've watched and reviewed so many. Films about an apocalypse, or uh, so this that isn't this, but um yeah, about pandemics and about uh, terrible worldwide disasters, and you know, I actually never sort of dreamed I'd I'd witness a crisis of this level, pla- you know, panning out in my own life, and it, and the professional yeah. in me is sort of quite intrigued about how, it you know how some films have got it right and wrong, and you know, it's it's fascinating really.
0: Yeah, that's you must have a, um, a really interesting outlook on something like that because, I mean, I've known you for uh, quite a while and and we've seen films together. And we we've have. We've seen films about the end of the world together. Like, I remember when we saw um, An Inconvenient Truth Part 2, whatever it was, An Inconvenient Sequel. Yes, that's right. <laughs> the, um, about climate change and, uh, um, and you know uh, and these things, when you see them on screen I, I, they sort of help us, I think, to to, uh, to deal with it, some, sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting that a lot of, on Netflix, a lot of the films like Contagion have been doing really well. A lot of people have been opting to watch them. It wouldn't really be my choice, but it's a way mm. of processing emotions, isn't it? And it's a way of thinking through real life dramas. It's not always about escapism, the movies.
0: No, that's right, and uh, I, I I know you've always got a very upbeat, positive sort of energy. Uh, when you're working, I've seen you um, presenting, uh, and I've seen you on telly uh, with the Oscars and all those sort of things. Uh, but clearly, from your writing, you know you 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 do look at those sides of film that are holding the mirror. Up against what's happening. Um, what do you think uh, will be the kind of films that are made or, or produced after what we're going through?
1: Oh, there will be many. Um, I. T- I mean, do
0: you know? Do you know of some already that are in production because of what's happened? I well, mean-
1: certainly there are several films um, coming out and already available that have been filmed on Zoom, so uh, they're mostly coming out, obviously, te- television form at the moment. Mm. Um, but Dolly Wells, who came on Girls on Film recently, she was involved in one. And it's all recorded um, on Zoom, calls. course. And there's also Alan Bennett's Talking Heads is coming back with, uh, which is sort of monologues um, by wonderful people like Maxine Peake. And obviously, oh, that's perfectly yeah. possible to record that. On your, you know, down the line with the producer on your on your laptop, so those kind of things certainly with actors that I've been speaking to lately, those are the kind of projects that obviously are happening at the moment fast. But other yeah. things are clearly being written, and I think it 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 is a bit like you're saying about holding up a mirror. It's almost like holding up a mirror to whoever is doing the writing and the conceiving at the moment. Yeah, there it's going to reflect their own angst, their own creative concerns their own concerns about the world. So I think we'll have myriad films coming out of this of all different types, but they will—they might be really, especially introspective and especially perceptive because people are at home with more time on their hands to really ponder and to mm. work on screenplays. So I think in a few years time, we might have some really great work from this.
0: Yeah, I, I'm really interested to know what you think about um, the, the subject of quality, uh, and p- a production quality, because uh, you know there's there's a generation who just think that if you haven't got a half a million pound budget for a movie, and then it then it's really not a proper film, you know. And then clearly now, it's <laughs> yeah. going to be films being made. Where the the resolution and the quality uh, over platforms like Zoom or whatever are, are obviously really poor, uh, but won't be judged for it. Do you, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? That there's there's this. I think somebody recently made a film on iPhones. Was it Steven Soderbergh? Um,
1: oh yeah it, yeah there's been a few iphone
0: movies yeah. yeah yeah iphone movies where you know sometimes it sounds like a kind of gimmicky thing to talk about uh, in your marketing uh, but it's interesting isn't it and of course loads and loads and loads of films are just being released on youtube and of great quality uh, but but there's there is a kind of debate isn't there about whether it's a proper film or not what do, what's your thoughts on all well
1: of i think that? yeah As, this this crisis is is very interesting because it's showing that people are perhaps realising that content is the most important thing. Of course, we all love a big, slick movie, especially on the big screen, and I'm a big fan mm. of spending lots of money on the wonderful cinematography, that, that's for sure. Yeah. I don't want to lose that. But, you know, when it can be afforded. But, of course, there are lots of great movies, indie movies, as you suggest, that have been filmed on the cheap in the past. And I think perhaps we'll have more in the future. One interesting thing is that, for me, not just as a critic, but as a broadcaster, because I'm experiencing this firsthand at the moment, because Mm. just announced, exciting news, Girls on Film, the podcast, is going to be going on YouTube for three special episodes, actually filmed, so video episodes, um, and that's on the BFI YouTube channel. So. Yeah. Such
0: great news and con- congratulations. Thank you. I I mean I want to talk about girls on film. I mean, it, it, it's it's something that I remember uh sort of popping up on on the on your Facebook and Twitter feed during the same time I think that I was working on a project called what Love Would Want mm. and um and similarly was, was sort of responding to the uh, actually the he for she movement at that moment when uh, which was the United Nations um, women's group uh, which kind of aligned with me too and and so there it was this and I remember thinking at the time there really should be something um, which is led by women (laughs) 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 about our look at films Uh, not I don't mean like in making films, I I just meant that there weren't there didn't seem to be many. There was a lot of men talking about films all the time, and um, it on screen and off screen. Yeah. <laughs> so then you you and you how did it come about? Talk. I mean, I, I've never asked you that.
1: Oh, right. Okay. So actually, girls on film is the name I came up with for a TV show that I was thinking about and planning with my friend Simone Noakes back in the year 2000, I think, because even then, wow. you know, I, I, it was a germ of an idea. Nothing came of it, but we, we did a few rehearsals and sort of thought, let's do a film yeah. show because exactly as you say, there are not enough so women you talking liter- about film.
0: You literally waited for the rest of the world to get up of here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then I um then I spoke to I told my agent, Hedda Archibald, who is also a great producer, I told her mm. about the idea and she had a great idea of turning it into a podcast um, so that we could prove how great women are talking about film and then yeah. eventually maybe take it into a visual format. Um, so Heather and I um, founded the podcast together and we started it in 2018 and we're 33, 34 episodes in now at the moment. And uh, we've taken it to Cannes, to uh, Glasgow, to Rotterdam, lots of film festivals. What's been interesting is that so many people have uh, welcomed going to see it on stage. Obviously we can't do that yeah. at the moment, but we've had some wonderful live audience episodes, but also plenty of studio episodes and, um, the response as well, you know, Kerry Mulligan came on episode three and then Maxine Peake and Brie Larson, you know, from the response from mm. the A-list actresses has been phenomenal. They love it.
0: Yeah. And I remember coming to see uh, one, one that you did at the podcast festival in London, wasn't it? <laughs> Yes. And and at King's Place. And it, it, it was I was really interested to see how many men to women ratio were yeah, in your Yeah, You counted,
1: didn't you? I, <laughs> I was did. really impressed with that. Thanks for doing my market research for me. <laughs> yeah, so, can it you always happy me me? to help Anna. <laughs> <laughs> can you remind me what no, the ratio I, was?
0: Well I think it was sort of I think it was about seventy five percent women. Mm-hmm um and i was trying to see uh, how many other males but i don't know but, but it was it was mostly women and i suddenly thought this is uh, it's great uh, and then on the other side was like you know we've got to it's the same for the he, he for she movement you know uh women's equality can only in advance I suppose if there are as many men as there are women supporting it
1: completely we need allies we need allies and I appreciate yeah. that Girls on Film is called Girls on Film and that may put some men off from listening but we certainly don't angle it just towards women yes we talk about gender we talk about sexism we I like yeah. to think we're the fun face of feminism we do have a real laugh with it and it is entertaining as well so and it's just jolly good film reviews half the time so i think some men have responded to it for that reason but then some men who identify as feminists you know really enjoy listening to it as well and they say it Mm. makes them think about film differently which is is a lovely compliment and um you know fathers i've had quite a few fathers of daughters uh, reach out like on twitter saying how how proud they are that this is happening because it's a better future for their for their daughters which is lovely
0: I know. I mean, it's something that I remember discussing on a, a panel uh, that I was asked to do on on, on gender parity in the music industry. Uh, which similarly across all industries, I think, certainly with entertainment, uh, that there just aren't uh, as many female role models if you're a young girl.
1: Mm-hmm. Growing Absolutely. Up. Yeah. Um,
0: and uh, so I, 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 I think you know, it's it's called girls on film. It has to because you're at the beginning of of a of a sort of you know, an era of uh, boundary breaking, aren't you?
1: Yeah. And I think the idea was to prove how entertaining women talking about film with each other can be so that eventually, you know, the BBC or ITV or Channel 4 or whoever can have a film show with all women on it and it not be classed as um, a niche, you know, because we've had film shows with all men. That's not classed as a niche. So why should a film show with all women, not just be a film
0: show, yeah, or majority I, of
1: women, you know, whichever.
0: I agree. Um, and what about we were talking about quality and um, and uh, the ideas that films themselves. Uh, there is one group of people that would say that you know making film on an iPhone and uh, isn't as important as making a film with a full production team uh, with fantastic cinematographers. Uh, and 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 again with um, talking. Uh, about the film industry as well. I mean, do you feel it's good that you're in that zone of, uh, you know, podcast and internet, or or do you, would you think terrestrial television would be a better place? Um, what's your feel? Or is it everything? Is there no either or?
1: I'd like to take over the world. No, I think it's just... <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, it's, it's just... I, why not? I mean, why not have a podcast? Why not have a TV show? Um, You know, Mm. why not have a radio show? I think it could be in all different places at once, you know, and I love actually as a film critic that I do work across most mediums, you know, Um, most media, I, I, you know, obviously I go on TV and radio and I write and I do online stuff. I do magazine Mm. stuff. So it's it's lovely to be able to do that. And I think there's no reason why girls on film shouldn't be able to do all those things.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm asking really, but I I agree with you. And that's sort of how I've led all the uh, work that I've done is by not listening to people who say, yes, but you have to do it like this. You know, there is no doing it in in any way. And I see that in, in the way that you're approaching it. I just think it's really important for younger people and certainly perhaps younger female Film critics or people who are interested, women who are interested in going into the kind of business that you've ended up in, and knowing there are not any rules, are there?
1: That's right, and it's been really gratifying that a lot of our most ardent listeners are young women who want to get into film in some way, and mm. I quite often get them asking to interview me for their podcasts and stuff, which I love doing. It's always it's always really fun, and they all they're so there's so many intelligent young women engaged with film, and they just love seeing myself and other female film critics. out there doing it getting paid to do it with any luck and um you know that that gives them more confidence to go into it so that is what we're hoping is is a more more gender parity in film criticism but that's part of the plan uh, because also my work in the critic circle we're, we're working on that um but you know obviously there are more male film critics than female by quite a long shot at the moment
0: Sure, uh, but I th- I think of somebody like Mark Kermode, perhaps who I I love, and I love his writing. I think he's fantastic, but I can imagine him as a, as a younger man looking at Barry Norman and thinking, "Oh, there's a." You know, there's a career there, there's a path there, there's a journey. Um, and of course, you wouldn't have had that. So you're the first one. Yeah. You, in way? <laughs> wow. That, that's very nice
1: of you to say that. Well, do you know what well, I do? Did... Well,
0: I mean, there's, you know, Lauren Laverne and people like that obviously get involved in those things, but they come, they, they, they I mean, Lauren's a, a multifaceted in everything. She's not particular. You are specifically focused on film. And I think that's true. That's quite an amazing. Thing to, be do, to, to pioneer that because it's much easier for everybody to kind of do a bit of everything these days a bit of radio a bit of this a bit of that you know but you're very specific about your subject of you know your, your specialist area
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think in as a journalist, having a specialism really helps. Um, and it was a very natural one that I, it took me a while to find. But when I found it, I knew that it was what I had to do and wanted to do and I loved it. But I actually, I did grow up watching Mariella Frostrup. She used to have a film show. So uh, she was someone oh, that helped yes, encourage she... me um, that, that it was possible. Yeah. Not that I want to take away from your thing saying I'm the first because I'll gladly take that. But, um, she did, I, but she, I just, she's she I've I, I but, used yeah. to watch
0: Mariella. Yellow mm. on that what
1: was that show was it the called? big little picture show or something like that yeah, yeah that was it was that in the late 90s maybe probably 80s? the 90s yes it was and yeah. and what was so lovely is that we're planning to get her on girls on film and her oh. her publicist said to me oh marielle is a fan and i said like, oh my gosh i've made it because i'm a fan of her and it's oh, like we- oh, it's lovely synergy
0: that's lovely i love stories like that it's a sort of full circle thing she so yeah. inspired you and now you're going to work with her yeah uh, You know, on your show, I think that's lovely. It's great, isn't it? Oh God! So um, there's there's a special sort of focus of this show, which is about how people connect. You know, um, and in in the film industry, I mean, that's people in the industry, obviously connecting, and then just punters who love films uh, connect quite deeply. Uh, So, what? What do you think about where where we're at? How you know, f- film is quite a recent invention in a way, isn't it? I mean, it's only just over a hundred years old, isn't it?
1: That's right. Yeah. You we- know,
0: compared to many other things that have been going for centuries that have been that, that uh, exist in our culture, um, it, it's sometimes easy to forget how young an art form it is.
1: Yeah, that's true. There there are a lot of exciting things in the future. I mean obviously virtual reality is something that's getting bigger and more important and it, it, it'd be interesting to see how that develops and whether that is classed as gaming or increasingly as a film experience an interactive film experience and the technology with that is getting quite phenomenal um, so yeah. thinking of connection actually virtual reality is a, is a really interesting subject I don't personally know a lot about it but I have been experiencing it I, I've been to sort of shows in can where you can go and get set up with the headphones and mm. unfortunately it makes you feel a bit sick, as it does a lot of other people. Um, but they, again, they're working on improving that.
0: Um, yes. Yeah. I remember um, talking to Trisha um, Tuttle uh, recently, you know, for the BFI, uh, about uh, the festivals that are um, expanding into those immersive areas and gaming uh, and... I just wondered if if are you are you very sort of inclusive of those ideas or or do you see film as an art form that is getting diluted by the fact that uh, you, I think I've met young, very young people like sort of um, pre-teens who sometimes just see film and gaming as all one great big mm. area of content
1: well it's all related isn't it I think it's it's easier for us as you know media commentators to put things in box otherwise where do you stop and where do you stop specializing? So I will probably never be a specialist on gaming or and VR because Mm. it's it's enough work keeping up with film. As a consumer you can see that there's a lot of relation between film and gaming and VR and I think those things are all interrelated. They're all not just entertainment but they're telling stories. Um, I think the interactive element obviously makes it quite distinct from film because, obviously, yeah. in film you cannot control the outcome. Although, in some you can interpret it differently in your mind, but you can't change the ending much as you might want to sometimes. Um, but I think, yeah, I think I'm all for them being included in festivals. Yeah, I think Trisha's, um, you know, got, got groundbreaking ideas at uh, the BFI festivals and they do amazing work. And I think. It, to get more people engaged with going through the doors of the British Film Institute and cinemas is going to be increasingly important when lockdown ends to get, mm. to get young people, as you're talking about, engaged with cinema, engaged with film. And if a way into that is, is through gaming and VR, then that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, re- it's just a really exciting time in the history of film, isn't it? With, with what's happening and, and the ability that younger people have to just make stuff which which they didn't sort of well 30 40 years ago oh it's incredible
1: you know i've got my my friends posting youtube channels for their children who are like nine or something Mm. and they've got really good little tiktok videos on there and like wow you know people they're so creative so young now and they're so up with the technology it is incredibly exciting to think what is going to come out of the younger generations
0: Mm. now um Obviously, I, I ended up getting into film via music, starting with music videos, and then and then you know different projects um, like the film that that we talked about that I just released the other day. Um, but it is that that still to me, you know, Soho is is still about music. It's about saving music venues. <laughs> Everything's sort of attached to music. Um, you you've chosen a couple of songs. Uh, for us to play I mean what's your relationship with music um, in, in comparison to your relationship with Phil which I know is very deep
1: well you may not know this about me but I actually started as a music journalist <gasps> I did <know> <laughs> there you go we've never had this conversation I fell mm. into it after journalism school um, after university I got a job on um, a dance music magazine called Generator and it was just a job because I liked clubbing I liked music yeah yeah um, but You know, even though I ended up editing Wax magazine, which was a dance, also an underground dance music magazine, I could do the editor's job and I had a good time in some ways, although it was very stressful because it was very low budget. But I I was not a natural writing about music. I really wasn't. It just did not work for me. I I adore music. I love music. I think it has incredible power to transport you and to change your mood and and I love Mm. dancing. Um, And, oh, gosh, yes, I love music. But there's there's a big leap from that to being a good writer about music and even if you are a good good journalist which I, which I like to think I am but and it just turned out that film was the thing that fitted best with my style and my way of thinking my way of writing
0: and did it, yes, it, 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 did it sort of resonate with your creative side in the way that music wasn't doing?
1: Yeah, I think it was partly because film is a lot about people and I'm, as you know, a real people person and I'm very, yeah, I know. I'm very interested in psychology, amateur psychology and how people tick and relationships and socioeconomics and mm. you know, how society works. And I think film obviously explores all those things and music is a little bit more abstract um, for me. So I think that's probably one of the reasons it, yeah. that I'm better at writing about film.
0: It's true, music is a bit more abstract. And uh, um, the first episode I did of this series of Superconnected was with Douglas Rushkoff. And he said uh, that when you watch a screen, you're really, um, you're sort of entering into the world of the person who's made what is on the screen, what you're looking at. But when you're listening to music, the music often just enables you to enter into yourself and, and mm. be in that sort of space, which is um, slightly more abstract. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, 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 I've, I've experienced that as well. I asked you what your favourite song is uh, just before we started, and you told me it was The Cures close to you. What is, I mean, it's such a perfect title for where we're at historically, but actually it's you've got a personal connection to this song, I assume.
1: I do. Well, I, I love The Cure. They were my favourite band for many years and probably still are. Um, one of my favourite bands. And uh, when yeah. I was a teenager, I was a little bit of an alternative, slightly almost gothy, although still blonde.
0: Um, oh, well, you were kind of a goth.
1: <laughs> well, well you yeah, never went the full hog, but I definitely had an indie alternative edge you know with
0: you're with that one blonde goth
1: yeah way. but yeah it's people used to call me the blonde goth they did actually at college six form <laughs> college so i was quite into all that and I, obviously the cure are one of the best if not the best goth band out there uh, sure. i just think they're absolutely beautiful creative melodies and uh, extraordinary so uh, and and very emotional um sound mm-hmm. and i think when you're a teenager obviously that really resonates and you're looking for an outlet for your emotions so I loved it in my teens and then um, when I met my now husband Ben Robards I discovered that he is also a Cure fan one of the reasons we bonded we, we bonded obviously for many many different you, reasons you
0: found that out yeah. when you were getting to know each other yeah like date the, like, two
1: or something and yeah. we were just going oh. oh The Cure oh Primal Screen and we like listing all these bands that we both loved so that was cool
0: yeah um, and, and so your connection yeah. with, the, with The Cure is, is, is the connection with Ben as well so,
1: and yeah. it goes on because we chose that from our first dance at our wedding.
0: Oh, that is so beautiful. That song, that was yeah, your first dance. to me.
1: Absolute nightmare <sighs> to dance to. But... <laughs>
0: I love this I'm so soppy. there's uh, we did another interview with um uh Jennifer Dumper, who is a dream independent dream researcher from San Francisco so mm, she all well, you listened to that one great, uh, she, but she also chose the song that was her wedding song too so, well it, it's
1: yeah. I hope it springs to mind to most people when you when you ask what what songs are significant and you have an emotional connection to because you've got to hope mm. that it's it's that the the wedding song if you're if you're happily it, married, so yeah
0: yeah. Oh, gosh. And what's interesting about that song as well is that I noticed the, his sort of whispering and using his breath um, as an instrument on that song. I, I've listened to it um, a few times uh, since you sent the song request. And um, and it's almost like... Uh, do, you, do you know what ASMR is?
1: Not sure. Don't think oh, so. A-
0: ASMR is this thing that... Uh, it's kind of like a craze on youtube now um but um it's it's a, it's a way to listen to a, a voice recorded that sort of really affects you and affects your ears uh in a in a very um i don't know it's very stimulating it yeah. it stands for autonomous sensory meridian response
1: okay Catchy.
0: And and it's all yeah I know and that's that, if you if you Google it or if you just put ASMR into YouTube you will be shocked to see how many people are tuning in to something that just sounds like it's in their ears and and some people sort of you know they put their fingers on microphones and things to make people. Um, get excited it sort of tr- it triggers all kinds of wow. emotions but it but i think i think robert smith may have pioneered it without realizing That's in a really 19- on that on that song on yes. that song yeah.
1: yeah he did have such an intimacy um with his vocals and still does i mean i've seen them live quite a few times um and he yeah he's still actually live brings that quality of that he's whispering in your ear and uh, it sounds I a never, little bit creepy, but in fact, it's just he does it so beautifully and so sincerely. It's
0: wonderful. Yeah, and he's he's. I I like those kind of artists that are. I mean, I like artists that change a lot as well. I mean, I love Bowie, but but Robert Smith has been such a solid figure <laughs> in in my life since I was yeah. at school. Uh, he's just he's the same. He's the, yeah. he still is the same. But
1: interestingly, their music, while it was always identified with the Cure, did have lots of different. Uh, tones and flavours depending on the track and the album um, which I liked about them as well even though it was still very much The Cure and there were certain aspects that were the same he could really surprise you at points as well. Yeah now um,
0: there's a special subject that I always ask my guests uh, in terms of what they might be connected to in this in a way that it seemed fated, you know. Um, I mean, I suppose for me it, w- it would be music, but uh, all sorts of other things as well. But you know, there's a, some that some of us have something that just keeps cropping up in our life uh, from an early age. Something that we're chasing or it's chasing us, and we're connected to it whether we like it or not. Your sort of connecting theme is graphology.
1: Graphology, that's correct. It's the study... Graphology. Graphology, yeah. It's handwriting Mm. analysis. So it's the study of people's handwriting to reveal aspects of their personality. And if anyone has ever had their handwriting analysed by a professional or indeed an amateur like myself... They will know how extraordinary it can be. It's absolutely phenomenal. You'll be obsessed when you start looking into it. I, I oh got my a. God. Um, my late mother gave a, a book to my sister actually one Christmas yeah. of, uh, that had a section on it, and, and I sort of swiped this and got completely obsessed with it. And since the age of 15, I've been um, studying it, I've been on lots of courses, I've been reading every book I can get my hands on and just doing lots of lots of people's handwriting with their permission um at university mm. that was a popular kind of party sport I suppose um yeah it, it, it is extraordinary and I know people are skeptical and some people wrongly put it in the same area as palmistry and uh, horoscopes which I think is a very very different things and I'm not to, not to disparage those but I don't particularly believe in those um and the accuracy of those but um it's many, many, many studies have shown, um, and indeed the police um, use this, uh, how much your writing can demonstrate your personality, um, if, if analysed properly, and indeed um, indicate the propensity to commit certain crimes. Um, the french police use it quite extensively and there's several um advisors to the um the fbi and such like in in the us who have cracked cases um with the help of this so it really it isn't just a namby-pamby thing and i've i've found it's something that's since i've learnt about it has stayed with me a lot over the years because even though we we write a lot less than we used to every time you have a birthday you get some cards hopefully and such like and you do see people's writing here and there especially when you're a film critic and people making notes in screenings. and screenings. And so I do find that I know, I find out things about people that they would probably not want me to know. And I, fi- <laughs> and I find out... I'm never writing
0: about... anything in front <laughs> of
1: you. <though>. <laughs> I'm fascinated to see your writing now. I really want to see it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I i don't think I've seen it, but um, I've, I've um, found out things about myself that I didn't want to know, but it makes you very self-aware. It makes you really analytical and you... You know, it's a little warning sign sometimes. You're going, OK, yeah. Anna, you're overdoing it. You're clearly exhausted. You're getting a bit manic here. Uh, take a break. So it's it can be extremely useful. But I've, I've, I have I've found out friends were gay before they came out. Um, I've unfortunately seen when people f- felt suicidal uh, or if they've been attacked in the past. It's extraordinary what you can find out.
0: Gosh, and that's clearly through study. I mean, you've been studying how it works and how to interpret people's handwrites. Yes. It's not it's not like a you can just plug into it and write. it's not it, no. it's not an app it's not an it's app, not an app and it's answer. quite
1: dangerous i think to just dip into it and say oh well if you write your g's this way this means x i mean mm. occasionally obviously as i'm doing someone's writing i might throw that in that the, the way they do their g's is a signifier of this but with mm. every different um, sign as they call it you need at least four or five other supporting signs if you like, from other parts of the writing, to do with the pressure and the spacing and such like, um, to make a diagnosis, if you like, to say, okay, this is deaf. This person is definitely whatever introverted or whatever. Um, so, so, how do you yeah.
0: feel about um, when we hear news? about handwriting sort of being phased out of schooling I mean which I I heard about in the United States that was some that's something that's being discussed at the moment Uh, in 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 light of graphology and what it appears to be able to offer us uh, what what do you think about
1: that I think it's desperately sad um, and dangerous because if this crisis has taught us anything it's to expect the unexpected so you never know when we won't have be able to use our laptops you know what i mean you want to be able to write a note if you absolutely have to um yeah
0: but do you feel like that about technology anna do you feel um our dependency has reached that point where you know a, a different sort of disaster could happen and we might just have to um plug back into ourselves and so yeah
1: i've seen Blade on us so yeah it could happen Mm. Um yeah. Oh, no, I, I love technology and I love everything it brings. Um but I do think it's important to keep aspects of life separate from it, um, for your own sanity and mental health as as you've discussed on the show before I'm sure. Um yeah. and um I think handwriting is a, is a nice example of that actually because even if you don't oh, it's lovely. if yeah. you don't know what your writing means I think you get a sense of it and even when you look at someone else's writing it's a very personal thing isn't it you know when you get a card or a parcel in the post and I obviously instantly recognise people's writing when they send me stuff so it's just yeah. quite nice to go oh so, so send me something um, but when you see familiar writing and and you know you find often that children try to imitate the handwriting of their, their parents which in, in itself says a lot you know if they identify particularly with I I did oh, well. I,
0: I imitated the to a degree handwriting of my brother Toby, who you know. Oh
1: yeah, oh did you? Yeah. That's get exactly, often that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that that obviously you know you don't take a graphologist to know that's because you were trying to emulate certain characteristics of his, or you know perhaps yes. trying to be more grown up or whatever it was. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so and, and you were probably unknowingly um, sort of aping characteristics of his that reflected the very things that you wanted to be about you know that you liked about him that, and that you that you respected mm. and you wanted to have for yourself so it, it is yeah, no, actually I you're right. quite an important process in development which i think it would be a shame but also we're going back to the crime thing on a practical level obviously ransom notes um and forgeries uh you know are often um the sort of cases that are solved um with the use of handwriting analysis so if, yeah if everyone was mm. typing Everything it would it would not be as uh, helpful for the forces.
0: Well, I'm I'm glad you told me that. I'm planning on forging a few. <laughs> yeah, just in case. Just so now to you make know. Sure I'll I'll, Go. I'll write with my left hand.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's not that's not necessarily <laughs> going to fool them. They can work what that one that out. What
0: does that mean? What does that mean when people say uh, yeah to write with a different hand? I've heard sort of psychiatrists say to. Uh, write things in your in the hand that you don't normally write in to reveal another part of yourself. Is that
1: right? Well, I mean, you'd have to ask a psychiatrist, but I'm sure that, you know, it, it stands to reason that it, it resets your thinking and your mind in a kind of different way. And I think ah, that, yeah. I think they probably are almost acknowledging graphology there whether they realize it or not because I think it's a sign that of how um, connected to your brain your hand is when you're writing and um, mm. How the two are inextricably linked and how your mental health is very much um, connected so yeah, I mean, it's a lot harder to um, recognise someone's handwriting if they do it with their left hand but, or their right hand, mm. depending on which they usually use. But um, there will be certain signs that will generally uh, come through if they write enough, especially if it's not in capitals, um, if, it, if you've got a lower zone, yeah.
0: And, and uh, I'm kind of guessing that, that, that you, you've done it since you were 15, but mm. are there a, are there a few sort of graphology societies that you are a member of
1: yes oh. I, w- I used to be yeah
0: <laughs> just be guessing
1: yeah correct there's a the british society of graphology which i was a member of for a while i'm not a member now and i have to say i was i was quite disappointed because when i went to the events mm. i don't mean to be rude i mean there was some very good graphologists there but this was yeah. in my 20s they were all a good 30 years older than me um right. at least and um a very different type of people to me so i found it quite hard to relate to them yeah. other than our shared interest in graphology i don't know whether that is a reflection of the fact that handwriting is perhaps a dying art unfortunately even mm. then you know um but i think I've, I've started following some people on twitter i think in in the states there there are some younger women doing it now and but th- this was going to be my alternative career it was really a toss-up between this and journalism and i I, I was thinking that the world could use a more young and fun graphologist, you know?
0: <laughs> you wanted you to make graphology <laughs> hip.
1: Yeah, but. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Can't do it all.
0: <laughs> and so just coming back to... Well, I mean, we've been talking about a, a lot of different things, but connection... Uh, and and technology and and uh, the old ways like handwriting and the new ways like gaming. <laughs> uh, there's the it, the, the connections between the past and the future. I almost feel like this is what we're all stuck in at the moment. Uh, do you do you feel a sense of um, where we're going in the future collectively, just in the world at the moment? Because we're all. Mm. For the first time in a long time, all in exactly the same position, aren't yeah. we?
1: I, I think it's, it's a... yeah, it's really powerful, and I think what's lovely is that even though obviously there have been some crimes and you know a lot of frustration and sadness, there has mm. been an enhanced sense of community, and there has been that sense of everyone being in the same boat, and I think that's really given a lot of people pause for thought, uh, myself mm. included, and I've I've always being someone that really loves actually just being friendly to strangers, not like a in a kind of mad way, but I love going to music festivals and Burning Man and such like, to have mm. honest, lovely exchanges with strangers who, you know, you wouldn't have met otherwise, but who you find yeah. common ground with. And of course, when you're at a festival, you're more likely to have common ground. But I like the idea of being able to go to the corner shop and striking up a conversation with a little old lady who lives around the corner who's a bit lonely. Um, and no. I, I hope that that seems like more of an acceptable thing to do when we're all allowed out more. You know.
0: I me too. I, I'm like that anyway.
1: Uh... Yeah, you are. You're <laughs> brilliant at that. Yeah. Okay.
0: I just I just like finding out um, how nice everybody is, and quite often they are. So I talk to complete yeah, exactly. strangers as yeah. a reward.
1: Well done. <laughs> and you and your job allows you to do that as well. You've created ways of doing that with your work, haven't you?
0: Think so. I think I, I think a lot of uh, people who are the p- performers or you know singers or whatever uh, we do it because we love connecting. Mm. Um, and I, I took that the those times at the moment where I go out with my my little mask to go shopping. Uh, yeah, I mean I can't start rubbit, rabbiting to the uh, to the people in the supermarket. <laughs> yeah,
1: I've noticed that they, sure, they're the I'm same. Sure I'm well. some of them. Pardon? Yeah, th- but they're the same. I think every time I go to a, certain Sainsbury's, yeah. whichever. Person is behind the counter. They're, they're way more chatty and friendly than usual.
0: Yeah, it's a it is a it is a sad time. Of course mm-hmm. it is. Um, but there's it's, it's something wonderful in remembering how important connecting face to face, eye to eye, uh, is to all of us. Because um, now that we don't have it as freely, it, it's just it, it's a real uh, it's a real jewel of rarity, isn't it?
1: It really is, and I think if this has given us all the chance to take stock of that and to pause, and perhaps not to rush around quite so much in our daily lives as many of us do, and um, then that—that's a definitely a silver lining.
0: Do you think it'll be like that if when when we get to a point where we're we're allowed out to play again? Do you think it's going to be a a massive surge of chaos? <laughs> you think, or do you think everybody well, think, might be so, uh... actually going stay? I'm going to stay at home for another week. <laughs>
1: doubtful um but i think i think it'll be a mixture like some people will respond differently which would be helpful because otherwise it pubs will be overrun i think um mm. i think it will there'll be a lot of people going out partying at first a lot of single people going on dates there's no doubt about that oh yeah uh, uh, but um for myself i think it will be really nice just to see and possibly when i'm allowed hug good friends that i haven't seen for a while you know and family mm. um but Otherwise, I think actually some things that I have been doing work-wise in person, perhaps doing them online will now be more acceptable and more common. So for example, I'm hosting quite a lot of online Q&As through Zoom and it may be that some film companies decide that's a cheaper and easier way to do it in future and also a way to reach more audience members. So Mm -hmm. um, I think it, yeah, I think some I think it will be a mixture. It will be a bit mad at first, but then people, I think some things will settle into, you know, the, the the memory of it and what we've what we've gained by this experience.
0: Yeah, I I love your optimistic outlook and your um, ability to see the half uh, the glass half full Thank uh, you. during what is one of the you know it will historically be known as the most trying times. Uh, we've ever gone through uh, as human beings. Thank you so much for, for coming and chatting. I've really enjoyed it and, and, and fascinating to hear about all the different sides uh, of your life that are not just to do with film. Um, but thank you for that, especially. Um, Anna Smith, you have been super connected. Oh,
1: I've loved it. Thank you so much, Tim. It's been such a pleasure to come on. See you soon. See thank
0: you soon. You. Bye. Bye.